We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This a bi-week edition of the pod. Usually we go heavy bears, Matt Rooney, and uh, we don't have that luxury this week, but still plenty to talk about. We're going to whip it around college football. We're going to whip it around the NFL. Uh, a little post-mortem on the MLB season. Uh, I got a grievance. Uh, we'll play some games here, do some segments, and then send the folks on their way. But first things first, Matt Rooney, how are we doing this morning? We're not doing too bad. I think, you know, while you were giving us that intro, though, there was just another touchdown scored in the Bedlam game. Is that is that right? I'm just pretty def- sure that, yeah, there's just another one. Just The defense the defenses weren't even on the field. Yeah, it was, it was like when you play Madden or whatever, and you go, like, offensive-only mode, and there's just no mm-hmm. defense out there. That, that's kind of what we saw. If you're Baker Mayfield, you got to be pissed that you wouldn't come up two yards short of 600 passing. I think it was 598. Let me pop the box score. I'm pretty here. sure yep. it was 24 36 for 598. So I, I'd almost rather have like 575. Yeah, you know? Mason, like Mason I, Rudolph, get out of here with your 448 yards passing yeah. and five touchdowns. Tiddlywigs. Tiddlywigs. You stink. Uh, but yes, Matt, there is plenty to talk about in terms of college football. Um, we're going to kick things off with college football this week. A lot happening. Uh, that Penn State-Ohio State matchup seemed to be just too much for either of those teams to bounce back from the winner or the loser of that game because both go down the following week, Ohio State and Penn State kind of uh, flipping the flipping the Big Ten on its head and putting uh, putting any Big Ten contenders into a precarious situation here. Yeah, uh, it, the Penn State one was a little bit more believable, kind of coming off that tough loss going on the road. Mm-hmm. It's still a pretty decent Michigan State team, and then, you know, they had – uh, you know, the rain delay. So it was just, it was a weird day for them. And they kind of only lost, I think it was by what, a couple points there, three points, but Ohio mm-hmm. state, I know weird things happen kind of at Kinnick stadium, the, the top, you know, top five, top 10 teams, but they just got the Ohio state just got the doors blown off of them by Iowa. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it was not, uh, not something that anyone saw coming except maybe a few of the blind, uh, Iowa faithful that we call our friends. But, uh, Rob Gallick not, probably saw that one coming. Rob Gallick, I want to say Mike Mayenza was smelling roses. Uh, some, some guys out there really have some blind faith in their team, and you got to have that because that makes for a fun weekend in Iowa City, that's for sure. But uh, the Buckeyes drop eight spots to number 11. Penn State drops nine spots to number 16. Wisconsin, the highest-ranked Big Ten team right now at six, currently sitting at 9-0, and but they drop two spots after another just unenthusiastic win unless something crazy happens. It doesn't look like uh, it doesn't look like the Big Ten's going to have a, a seat I, at the table. At, I like, still ball. think if the Badgers run the table and win and beat Ohio State, I think it would end up being Ohio State, right? In that Big Ten championship, I still think they're going to get in. Yeah, I, I know they haven't really beat anybody else, but at the same time, if they that do would be beat that Ohio win. State team, and you know they do it by more than just kind of a point and kind of stealing one, I, I really think the committee's going to put the undefeated Big Ten champion into the playoffs. Whether yeah. it works out for them, whether they go in there and beat anybody or that, I don't know. But I, I, I don't. I think they deserve to be where they are in the in the playoff ranking right now. Was it nine? I think last week it'll change tonight. Obviously, they'll bump up a couple, but I, uh, I, I do think they'll have a tough time. The AP has them up. at num- The AP has them at number six, and usually that's pretty um, congruent. So they'll yeah. be in the five, six, seven region um, uh, when the when the playoff poll comes out. But uh, if you're looking at it and you're looking at this poll, you got to look how it's going to shake down. 
it's going to be Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship, uh, barring a blowout on either side of that. Both teams are going to get a seat at the table. Notre Dame. Here's my one kind of counter to that. Why do you really think both of those teams will get a seat at the table, or do you think the yes, committee might think, see that as just you know what this is this is our extra playoff game, this is their playoff game? Let why why give one of these two another shot in there when this could I just kind of be their de facto playoff game, even though they are the two best you know one two teams in the country? Because I think that would be pretty hypocritical. The way it's set up right now, it's set up for the best four teams to be in the college football playoff until you change that format to the best eight teams or the best six teams or however you want to structure it and you have automatic qualifiers for conference champions, then that that's a de facto argument. That, that's, that's no. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. It doesn't matter their, it doesn't matter their affiliation to a conference, to being uh, a team without a conference. It's the best. It's the four best teams in college football. And if you can sit there, watch the SEC championship game and say, damn, those are Those just two the are best good. team yeah. in college football. Then they both need to be in. That's Until fair. you make it an automatic qualifier, then you're just kind of being you're being hypocritical in terms of the way things are set up. And I, and I think that you know it's another conversation for another day. I think that that automatic qualifier is the best way for those things to work out because then you have a couple at-large bids. And yes, Georgia can still get in after losing to Alabama in the SEC championship if the situation calls for it. But that automatic qualifier allows you to make that decision no i'm with you and i that's again like you said that's another i think we both voiced our our opinions here i think yours is the the 18 playoff i'm a big fan of the 16 playoff but i think definitely the the big 10 sort of with the exception of wisconsin somewhat playing itself out of this playoff has definitely mm-hmm. made the the two sec team scenario much more realistic that said both of these teams both georgia and alabama have pretty tough uh, Auburn team coming up. I think both on the road. Is that right? I think Georgia's on the road. And I'm not. I, I think Alabama is at Auburn to close the season too. And, and that, mm-hmm. that Auburn is a. They have two losses, but they're both pretty close losses. I know one was a 14-6 loss to Clemson, and then they they had that LSU game one, and then kind of squandered it at the end there. But that yeah. that's people are kind of overlooking that and kind of just assuming Georgia and Bama run the table. It wouldn't shock me if Auburn knocked off one of those two teams. Yeah. Um, some other teams out there right now still uh, still with hopes of making it to the Final Four. A one-loss Oklahoma team kind of has their final test. I think they need to make a statement against number 8 TCU this weekend. That would go a long way in bolstering their resume coming off of uh, that shootout that you talked about in the intro. Um, that was I saw the highlights of that, and it seems like I watched the entire game because it didn't seem like there were too many plays that weren't highlights. In that no, game. they were all pretty much just touchdowns and big plays. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Matt, I think you need to take a look at the clock because I think this is the deepest we've ever gotten into college football talk without talking about the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh, you know, um, I'm just dropped a casual 48 points, you know, no casual big deal. 48 points, no uh, big probably deal. a little, a little, a little leakier on the back end than they would have wanted to be, uh, defensively. But, um, the Irish get another win. They move to eight and one kind of cementing their spot there at number three. But, uh, the big one comes this weekend. And speaking of teams that can really do do themselves a service this weekend a win over Miami in convincing fashion I think would uh would cast away some doubt I don't know in terms of the voters or in terms of just fan base in terms of people that think Notre Dame belongs or doesn't belong I think they can uh I think they can prove their point this weekend against Miami I think both teams are looking to prove their point this weekend with with Miami beating Virginia Tech what was it 28-10 I think that final Mm -hmm. was 
if they, I mean, that that was really the first time they kind of played anybody all year. But if they come out and then they, you know, beat Notre Dame again at home, I, I do think that puts them into the top four. I think yeah, back to back, even though they're both at home, they, they don't have really a big road win. If you beat the number, I think they were the yeah. 10, 10 team, 11 team in Virginia Tech, and then beat number three Notre Dame at home, and you're yep. undefeated, I, I do, I, I think they jump Oklahoma then. They'll probably be at, you know, seven, six tonight, but I think they would jump into that top four. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting one, kind of the days of old, a little bit uh, predating yourself and I, the, the Miami-Notre Dame rivalry Catholics first convicts. Um, it, it should be a blast because I, it really seems like Miami's got that swagger back. I, the, the turnover chain, I'm a big fan of the turnover chain. I was actually going to – one of my buy or sell questions was going to be you buy or sell on the turnover chain, but well, that was too uh, obvious of, a, of an answer. I, I, don't have, I don't have the money for it, but I'll buy it. I'll buy the turnover chain right now. I, I, I that that's why that's exactly why I didn't take <laughs> you just saved, because I knew you but I, I saved everybody there. Yeah, um, but uh, it, it should be a good one. The current line of the game, uh, I just took a, a, took a look at it. Three and a half is correct. Uh, Notre Dame three and a half point favorites on the road. It's an eight p.m. kick. Uh, the Fighting Irish versus college game day going to be down there too. I think. The Bastion and the boys. Yes, college. It's it's a college game day game of the week. So. Um, it's good. it's a marquee matchup, and um, going from where Notre Dame was 365 days ago to being Jeez. back in the conversation, you have to credit the entire not only the co- entire coaching staff, but but um, Brian Kelly for for getting this thing back on the rails because it could have gone sideways this year. Um, Joe, I've been his. Uh, you remember beginning of the year, especially when they Absolutely. lost to Georgia. I have been his biggest critic. <clears throat> Uh, to date, but it, it does really seem like kind of no matter what happens the rest of the way here, provided you know a couple really bad losses or you know uh, absolutely laying an egg in one of these last three games, kind of no matter what happens, it does seem like he has righted that ship. He did kind of take a look in the mirror and, and reevaluate him, himself uh, mm-hmm. as much as his coaching staff and his players, and it does seem like he has made some significant changes to just about everything in that program, trying to get the culture kind of back to where it was a few years ago. I think he, he was taking much more of an active role in all facets of the program, not just kind of running the offense. He's, um, from what I've kind of heard and, and, and read about, he, for the most part, sat down with just about every player after last year's uh, season, even the ones that were leaving, kind of said, you know, where do I need to improve? What do I need to do better? And they kind of said, you know, we only really see it practice. You know, you're not really around all that much. He's mm-hmm. been showing up at, you know, 6 a.m. lifts, kind of just being everywhere, being a constant presence in that program which I think has been a, a huge addition for him. And then obviously the two coordinator hires have been absolutely home runs so far. Yeah, that, that's big stuff. But Matt, when you're talking about the success of a football program and a football program at a crossroads, you have to talk about the players as well because you could have the master plan. You could have everything in place. You could have a successful pass. You could know the exact formula to put in place. But if you don't have the buy-in from the guys, it doesn't work. And it seems like this is a group of guys that is not only bought into their coach, the coaching staff, but they've bought into themselves and they're believing in their talent. And I think that's that's how you get things turned around as quickly as they did, is is good coaching, uh, some good hires, good adjustments, and buy-in. That's what you need. And it looks like the Irish have had uh, the, the full package this year. Yeah, and they're just they're playing <laughs> with the same type of swagger that defense played with in 2012, at least mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. They, they really do believe that they are you know the best group out there, that offensive line. The way they you know, run block for Josh Adams, the amount That's of times Brandon, the amount of time Josh or excuse me Brandon Wimbush has back there in the pocket, they clearly believe in themselves and know, you know it's hard not to know how good you are, but they, they know how good they are, and it seems like they want to one up themselves each week. It's not 
being content with, you know, we're, you know, we're great. You know, Josh ran for 200 last week. He ran for 200 last week. Let's try and get him 201 this week. Yeah, and if you're looking for a place to put your eyes uh, at 8 p.m. on Saturday, uh, that's the matchup you want to look at is that offensive line versus the Miami pass rush because they got some guys who can, uh, who can get after the quarterback. they got a couple run stoppers on the inside. So I think that's really where the game's going to be won and lost is in the trenches, and that's coming. That's where from. it's always won and lost, Joe. How many times do i got to tell you that? Game's won and lost in the trenches. All right, Matt. What? Well, is it not? Well, did you did you see what's his name? Did you see what's his name on the I Raiders? See, yeah, what's his, his name? Do his best. Did you see him? Marshall Newhouse. Yes, Newhouse. You see him try and be a running back for two minutes. You see yeah, how that he tried, he tried turning okay, the corner. So so give give the skill guys a little bit of credit too. That's I'm all not I'm saying, saying that they don't deserve some credit, but without yeah. the without the offensive line, I mean, you you don't have time to run your route. You don't have time to catch that pass, Joe. And without the wide receiver, if you had all the time in the world, you can't have Newhouse. I could, I could catch that ball. Yeah. Okay. All right, Matt. Well, I think that's I the perfect time. Hands. I think that's the perfect time for, for us to move into our lock of the week. Um, last week, both of us take an L. That has me sitting at four and four. You sitting at three and five. My three game win streak snapped. I'm, I'm just going to my four game win streak. I'm going to jump you here. I'm, I'm just. I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm not going to try and get cute. I'm not going to try and break down three or four games here. I'm just going to try and go with chalk. I'm taking Alabama minus fourteen Bama. and Mississippi State. I'm, I'm, done, I'm done trying to you know read read between the lines and in Florida yeah. and Mississippi. <clears throat> Though Penn State, I think I, I, I was. I, I think I like my logic there, but. Alabama is the best team in the country. They're a two-touchdown favorite, even though they're on the road. I'll, I'll take them. And uh, I saw a statistic the other day. I retweeted it. The last team to beat Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide by set 17 points or more was Nick Saban and the LSU Tigers. So That's, that, that sounds about right. If that doesn't paint the perfect picture of, uh, of the value of great coaching, I don't know what does. So um, I think that's a, a safe pick there. Roll I, I'd love to – I'd love to jump on board with you, but I know that's not the way this thing works. Um, I'm going to take Clemson. They're uh, laying 16 against Florida State. This is me just blank- banking on the fact that Florida State's really bad. Clemson's at home. It should be a three-touchdown game. That's what? my only logic behind it. I know that they you know, lost <laughs> their quarterback, and that can mentally do a lot to a team you know, in, in that locker room, especially younger guys in college, not, you know, not as mature as a pro team. But like, how did it get this bad? Yeah. It got I bad. Think, I think when it gets just like when it gets that good that fast, it can get bad that fast due to a lack of buy-in. When you lose the locker room, when you lose the guys, when you lose their focus, their dedication, a lot goes into winning football games. You know this. And at yeah. the Division One level, if you're not locked in every moment you're in that building, it's gonna it's gonna result in a loss. And if your if losing your starting quarterback can knock you off your spot mentally and you don't regain that, well, then you're playing from behind. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Whether you're playing Clemson or you're playing BC or whatever the line is, you're going to be an underdog in your brain, in your mind. If you come into the game as an underdog, you're in trouble. Yeah, that's I, I think that's a, I think that's a large part of what Florida State's problem has been this year. Yeah, and they're, uh, what they, it looks like they're not even going to make a bowl this year. I think that's the first time since like the 60s that they are going to yeah. be uh, not bowl eligible. So that's a, that's a fall from grace. I also like uh, that 46-point over-under in the Clemson-Florida State game. Is I think that Clemson what that is? I think Clemson's going to drop 40 themselves? They, they very well could. I think will that's, Florida uh, State drop the six? I think that's a little low, yeah. We will see. But uh, speaking of teams that are, are not, uh, not looking like they're going to end up bowl eligible, the, uh, the Huskers take oh. a tough loss at home. 
to the Cats. Uh, third was, straight OT game for the Cats, if I'm not third mistaken. Third straight OT right? game, and they just it, it it boiled down to the fact that they were a team that's been there. They knew how to execute. They had their play sheet. They wanted to run the ball in overtime. They ran the ball effectively, and the Huskers had looked just completely lost. And that's now this is now under Mike Riley the third overtime game. They have a total of zero points and zero total yards in overtime. So I don't uh, know if you can to- that that, all That's on. in his tenure or this year? That's in his tenure, his tenure. as okay. Nebraska's head coach. I know gotcha. he wasn't calling the plays on Saturday, and that's, that's somewhat out of his purview. But again, the buy-in and mental preparedness of your team goes a long way. And uh, that's where I'm questioning this Husker team is you know, where their head's at at this point in the season because there's still some football to be played. And uh, they got to win got, two out of two out of the last three to be bowl eligible, the, right? Two of the last good teams. three. Uh, Minnesota this weekend. Then they go to Happy Valley for a matchup with Penn State, and then Iowa, Iowa, right? Iowa here on Black Friday could decide their fate. Um, so it, you know, this I, one I really, seems like a must win for them against Minnesota. It, it, it is. It is absolutely a must win, and if nothing else, that would. I don't know. Build a little bit of championship atmosphere on uh, on Black Friday if if bowl eligibility yeah. is what you're playing for. You know, if you're not playing for anything, then you are going to lose this group. And uh, if you know, I mean, if they Mike do Riley's lose this week, is, the door. if they lose this week, do you think they just cut losses with Mike Riley already, or do you think they're going to kind of let him try and ride it out, or what, what do you think goes on there? I still think they ride it out because okay. Bill, the new athletic director Bill Moose came in and he explicitly said. We do not want to fire anyone during the season. That creates uh, a tumultuous atmosphere for these kids. Okay. You want to at least give them the rest of the season. And when he was hired, I think it was at the stage where this was a dress rehearsal for Mike Riley as well. And um, you know he's tripped over his own feet a couple times during that dress rehearsal. So I think it's a foregone conclusion. But I do still believe it happens after the season. Because if you are Bill Moose, if you're the athletic director... That makes the most sense. You don't force your own hand. You're giving yourself time because if you don't think he's out searching right now and contacting coaches' agents right now, you're kidding yourself. He's performing this search for the next coach as we speak, and all he's doing by not firing Mike Riley is buying himself time. I know you're going to hire an interim guy or you're going to just bump someone up as an interim guy within the team, but your focus can remain on hiring a new coach as long as you have this coach in place. There's, there's a lot less press conferences you have to go stand at by not firing this coach during the season if you're Bill Moose. So I think that I, I honestly think Mike Riley makes it to the end of the season and then 10 minutes after the Iowa game they say thanks for playing. Fair enough. Is there uh, any, any relation there with Bill Moose? No, but uh, I did. Uh, I did get a chance to uh, to introduce myself to the new AD on Saturday, a little, little downtime before the game, and I go, um, you know, Mister Moose, I, I'm not making this up. My name's Joe Musso. He's like, oh, a mo- another Moose. So he was uh, he was pretty excited. So you have yeah, a bond with the man Moose already. Yes, yes. So um, so a small bond uh, with, with the new AD. So. You know, I might be on the short list. Is all I'm saying. I might I, be on the short list. Maybe not for the head job, but I think I can, I can see you on the head staff. job. I bring in Frank Lenti as my OC. We go wing T. The people here in Nebraska would love it. They they, die. they, they, they would love that. There, they, if they, you they're, can, they're dying for the wing T back. I think. Well, and that's days. you know, that's that's part of the problem. I won't get too in depth with it, but they just want it to be 1997 again here. And there's no, there's no evolution from the fan base. And they're thinking they they they're very old school, and that's why they want Scott Frost. They want to go get Scott Frost because he's one of us. There's a there's a one of us air in this place, and anyone who's not one of us, they're ready to cast off real quick. Now I don't know um, if you have. I mean, what 
what gut feeling you might have on that. But do you think that's that's something he's going to do, or do you think that Florida no. job offer might be too tempting for him? No, I think that the Florida job offer is a better job offer. I think that he has the world on a string right There's now. There's something about that alma mater offer, though, Joe. He can name his number, and I, I'm going to refute that. I, he can name his number. He can go to Florida. He can continue to re- recruit the state that he's currently recruiting. It, it, it just makes a lot of sense. Probably a few of his top talents will come with him from UCF to Florida as transfers. But the thought process behind the alma mater hiring, I think, is romantic, but it's wrong. Because right now, this fan base loves Scott Frost. They love Johnny Rogers. They love Eric Crouch. They love their legends. And you can ruin that in 10 games. If Scott Frost comes here, lays an egg, then you ruin, then you ruin everything you built during your career here. You tarnish your national championship rings. It, it becomes, again, a tumultuous environment. And that's not what you want. Let them love you. This was actually something that I learned from Johnny Rogers. He came in up by the media after they fired Eichhorst, the athletic director, and someone jokingly said, Johnny, you're going to be the next uh, athletic director? Oh, there's, there's uh, Nebraska's next athletic director. He turned into the room and said loud enough for everyone to hear. He said, they love me here. I'm not going to ruin that and walked out of the room. Like, why would you? That, and it just struck a chord with me. That, that makes zero sense to come here and put everything you built on the line, especially when it's not the better offer or opening. Yeah, no, that's fair, and I, I am with you. I thought I do think when it's all said and done, he would go to Florida. I just thought that Nebraska offer he might at least be entertaining because, like you said, he can name his number, but not just at Florida. He can probably name that number just about anywhere he wants to. Yeah, like it's and it's full LeBron mode here in in Lincoln. It's like oh, Scott Frost is looking at real estate. Not that he was, but like his parents live just outside of Lincoln, and he's got a lot of family still here. He's got a young kid. Like they're trying to make it make sense in their own heads. And to me, it just doesn't make sense. Well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll we'll find out there on that front soon enough. I think I'm with you. I think he does go to Florida. But uh, I guess we'll find out in a couple weeks, right? That's uh, that's plenty of talk about a bottom feeder uh, team in the Big Ten, I think. That's fair. It's, 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 <laughs> that's your wheelhouse, though, Joe. I, I, like, yeah. I like, You know quite a bit about it. And it's like, mm-hmm. a, like a... Like a proud parent, I get to hear you talk about it. You're, there you go. Well, I appreciate that. Matt. We uh, yeah. we like to stay we like to stay in the loop here, and uh, it's uh, it's been a fun season, not uh, not the best season. And I felt it was a weird feeling. It was definitely a weird feeling. I don't have um, the strongest Northwestern allegiance, having only spent a year there for the Masters program, and I don't have the strongest Husker allegiance because you know I like to see them win because it makes the week a lot more enjoyable. It puts yeah. things on a positive note, but. Neither of these teams pull at my heartstrings like the Bears do, like the Hawks do, like the Irish do. Um, so it was it was a weird moment there in overtime where I was on the sideline taking in the game, shooting the game, and um, you know I couldn't find my fan moment. I didn't know who to root for. It was a very numb feeling. And I know we're not supposed to be rooting for anyone, but uh, yeah, you're, supposed, you're of, supposed to be impartial there, Joe. You're a, a journalist. Bit, Have some a integrity. Bit of, a little bit of pride in my Northwestern roots and a little bit of sorrow in the fact that we're going to have to listen to the same uh, negativity for the next uh, seven-day news cycle. So well, it, was a, it was an odd wrap-up. But let's wrap this up and let's head over to professional football, Matt. Let's do a little NFL whip around. What did you see yesterday? Give me the one thing that caught your eye while the Bears were on the bye. It, it, it was in that Eagles Broncos game, but it, mm-hmm. I, I think the the Eagles being really good is I mean that, that's that's a given. We all know that. That's something I think we've known now for a couple of weeks. But how bad the Broncos have gotten kind of this quickly? I, I know that 
they don't have a, a great quarterback, obviously, and Trevor Simeon is kind of downslide. It looks like he's trying to do a little bit too much, then got replaced by Brock Osweiler, who was obviously terrible. But mm-hmm. that, that defense is just, I mean, 51 points. I know Philly's got a good offense, but that defense, what, not even two years ago, was you know dominant in that Super Bowl win with yeah. a pretty bad offense behind them, and they went out and basically won a Super Bowl by their own. So I guess the, the downfall of that defense and the Denver Broncos from just, I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they were competitive and almost did. Just how 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 fast they've fallen to kind of getting this bad was the was the biggest I think takeaway for me. I have a couple here. Um, I have a good and a bad. Uh, very much along the same lines, the downfall of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been nothing short of astounding. They were team, people had them picked as as one of the top winning that division this season. Yeah. Winning the division, you know, high hopes for everything, and it's really been a fall from grace for them. Jameis looks like he's gonna have to sit a couple weeks out now with that shoulder. Um, things get a little ugly on the sideline. Mike Evans. How was Mike Evans not ejected for that? That would that was the yeah, most obvious ejection I've ever seen. He does get the suspension and a fine. AJ Green doesn't get a suspension for trying to choke out a defensive. It's just very incongruent to me. Besides the point, so Tampa Bay's fall from grace kind of cemented last week caught my eye, and uh, another thing that caught my eye is just the can't quit attitude of Kirk Cousins. I love the guy. And Kirk Cousins to, is fun to watch, man. To watch the last ten minutes of that football game was a blast and Seattle it looked like Russell Wilson was going to do it again drive him down the field game winning drive and then Washington in three plays boom 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 right down the field they come away with the three point victory it it was an awesome finish and Kirk Cousins deserves to be paid by someone and not only paid by someone but treated properly by a franchise is Washington finally going to do that do you think I mean I I know they don't I I think they have to at this he's been like look at the market for quarterbacks you have a top 10 Guaranteed top 12 quarterback as your quarterback right now. Why take a chance? Why go I, elsewhere? You've seen you've seen what you can do in the draft in terms of failure with Robert with uh, RG3. Yeah. I almost forgot his name. That's how bad it was. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that you have a safe quarterback, a productive quarterback, and a quarterback that you could viably win a championship with, sign the guy long term. No, I'm with you, and I think it's been probably a long time coming. My only thing is, just, does he want to stay there after the way he's been treated and kind of the way he's been That's dragged true. around and kind of That's forced true. to be franchised the last few years, not having much of a say in it? Does he want to be there? Because it's getting to that point where the the one year, you know, if they keep franchising him, I know that number keeps going up and up. I don't know, don't know what it exactly gets to next Check year. Cleared. But it's going to be a ridiculously high number for Washington to keep paying him, where it's almost just going to make sense. If it gets to $40 million, I think I want to pay him $40 million for the year. And at that point, if he gets the free agency, is he is he just going to want to say, you know, it's been fun, but I don't like the way I've been treated here. I'm going to go somewhere that wants me. Yeah, um, I I can completely see both sides of that argument because forty million is a very enticing number, and um, I know the the safety and the uh, you know the security of a long term contract is, is what every player wishes for. But I think with uh, with these franchise tag numbers amassing as they have over the years for him i think he's in a pretty good place financially right now and he could do whatever you know his heart's telling him to do it's not going to be a financial decision if he thinks if he thinks that washington is the place where he can fill that missing piece of an nfl championship that every quarterback works for a super bowl title mm-hmm. um then i think he signs the contract if not um go elsewhere but but what what ready to win team is looking for a quarterback that that's another thing. That's where are you gonna where are you gonna go? That's gonna give you a better chance. Maybe just get out of the NFC East, so you don't have to play that. Yeah, schedule. so you don't have basically murderers row every division yeah. game you play. I mean, there'd be 
the Giants stink this year, but I don't think that's something that's going to last. I think they'll end up being back within um, a year perfect, or two here. But perfect segue there, though, Matt. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys yesterday take another step forward in taking down Kansas City. Now, Joe, you, you know today is Tuesday, right? Is Kansas City? Yes, it is. You keep saying it's, yes. I just, you're, I don't want to confuse any of the listeners here with like it's a, like Monday. A it's Monday in my mind. It's, it's Tuesday here, Joe. We it's had Monday, Monday night football last on night. Sunday. There you go. The Dallas kid. Cowboys with an 11 point win over the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs. I don't know if they're regressing to the mean or Dallas is starting to play the football that they know they can. Because I think roster wise, Dallas still has one of the best rosters in the NFL. Um, not not to throw any um, not to throw any shade at Kansas City because that's a solid football team, but. Dallas comes out and kind of makes a statement against Kansas City. I, I think it's a little bit of both of what you said there. I do think Kansas City is still a pretty good football team, but I think they're kind of going back to what we thought they were, which is you know mm-hmm. the top half, maybe top third AFC team there that that'll be you know be in the playoffs there at the end of the year and, and probably compete. To they are who division. we thought they were. They are who we thought they were, Joe. All right, Denny Green. Uh, or, and I think Dallas is starting to finally realize who they are. I think getting Zeke back midweek last week might have helped them you know, mentally a little bit, give them a little bit of an edge. But at the same time, I, I do think he's gone at some point this year for six mm-hmm. games. and It's, it's just going to kind of depend when that hits. And if that hits at the wrong time, I think you might see them backslide a little bit. I mean, the, I'm looking at their carries right now, and there is the only non-running back to have a carry not named Ezekiel Elliott was – uh, excuse me, the only running back to have a carry not named Ezekiel it was Alfred Morris, and he had one carry. So the other the the other thirty carries went to you know Zeke and Dak Prescott. So I, that might be something to I know we've talked about here before, but if they get that suspension come down at the wrong time and it finally finally sticks, they they might be in some trouble. Yeah, I think uh, I think that it's going to be. Um... It's gonna it's gonna be very important when that when that six gamer does land. I don't yeah. know. Like we we talked about it last week. I don't know if they can fend it off until next season. What the legality is behind it, but uh, the sooner the better, in my eyes. Matt, um, we've given the rest of the league enough shine today. Um, it's time to get back on some Bears football. Nothing to lament over. Nothing to celebrate. But let's look forward a little bit at the second half of the season. Joe, the the Bears are going to be favorites for the first time all season coming up this week. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it, actually. <laughs> no, after, honestly, so, after watching the Packers last night and kind of what that offense was unable yeah. to do against a defense in Detroit that is not as good as the Bears, I, I, I shouldn't. I guess I should never feel confident going into a Bears-Packers game given the the recent history there. I think they're like four and sixteen in their last twenty. Mm-hmm. But uh, that 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 offense in Green Bay just looks really, really bad. Yeah, uh, Brett Hundley can't really do much. There really isn't much of a running game. They're not really trying to challenge down the field, and it, it just looks like they are without Aaron Rodgers. It, it, right, you know, justifiably so. Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Uh, w- without him, that offense is just kind of lost. Yeah, I think that um, if the Bears defense can come out and play the way they've been playing and not uh, not come out of the bye week flat, it's going to be a low scoring matchup. But they will give the Bears a chance to win. And if Mitch Trubisky can win his first start against the Green Bay Packers, my God. That's the stuff legends are made of, my friend. It is. It is. You can't can't write it any better than that. Chapter 1, beat the Pack, you know? Chapter 1, beat Brett Hundley at home. There we go. Um, It's it's the Packers at home. It's the Lions at home. Two two divisional rivals there. Then uh, the the best team in football, many people are considering, we get the Eagles on the road. Niners, Bengals, Lions, Browns, Vikings. So I think this next stretch of three, uh, Packers aside because of the way they've been playing, but Lions-Eagles is going to be a tough back-to-back. 
That is going to be a tough back-to-back. -back. I honestly think they're I, – I, for whatever reason, have this feeling that they're going to go to Philly and win that game, but then I think they're going to come back. And I, I forget if they're at home against Cleveland or Cleveland, but I feel like they're going to then lose to either Cleveland or San Francisco. Yeah, they got that, San that just, Fran after that at home. That seems like a very Bears-type thing to do where they're going to go on the road and win some game they have no – basically no you know reason or need to be out there winning and then they're going to come back for just a huge letdown yeah because that just seems like it's kind of been the bears of recent history and while i do think they're on the same path that offense just isn't where it needs to be yet uh, but yeah. it the road is there it's not a, i think their com opponents combined now are 27 and 38 uh the rest of the way i know philly's obviously really good but there's some bad teams on there and there are some very winnable games and if they can take care of business inside of the division uh, there there is a chance that it's, it's not a good one but there's a chance that they can make some noise and keep it interesting there come week 15 16 17 yeah it doesn't uh, it doesn't set up the best for them but uh they don't control their destiny but it does set up you're, for them, we're, go, we're to gonna look back at that monday night loss to minnesota as kind of the opportunity there to count yeah I really think that was not rocket science, but I really think that one was kind of the their chance to get themselves back into it, and they they were really close. They played a great game against the not a great game, but a very good game against a, a really good Minnesota team who was also firing on, on all cylinders once Case Keenum came in. But man, letting that one sink, I think is going to be the one where they look back at the end of the year saying, "Wow, if we could have took that one. Who knows what could have happened." Yeah, but at the same time, I think that they can look back on this year, and I know these guys want to win. They're professionals. They're all competitors. But as a fan, and we've talked a lot about expectation, if they can lay a groundwork this season, a successful groundwork, you're, you're not going to put yourself in the best draft position, but so be it. Move, move around to the draft. Make whatever moves you need to make draft-wise. But if they can lay the foundation in terms of a roster and have some – retention with the roster next mm -hmm. year and have names that people recognize on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. This is steps forward for the Bears as a franchise and for this front office. These are steps forward for them, and you need to be able to look back on the season and not say what if, but look at it and say what we accomplished. And I think that they can still accomplish a lot in this last, uh, what is it, eight, nine-week stretch here, eight-week stretch. You, you tell me you're not uh, you're not excited about a Dontrell Inman making his debut, Joe? That's not a big enough name for you in the offense? No, no, no? it's not. So I know. Stop, stop grossing me out like that. Go get a receiver. Make me happy. Um, but uh, we have a couple topics mean. to We have a couple topics <laughs> to hit here, Matt, Bears-wise. Um, just uh, – just some more, uh, some forecasting. You wanted to talk a little John Fox, am I correct? Yeah. Uh, so, no, no surprise that you know this is kind of this second half will probably make or break John Fox's next contract, I guess, with with the Bears. What uh, John Fox needs to do what in order to keep his job? I guess is my question um, to you. John Fox needs to win football games to keep his job. They're three and five right now. If they can be 500 at the end of the season or close to 500 at the end of the season, I see no reason to fire John Fox. I know everyone wants to point the finger at someone, and it's easiest to point it at the head coach. It's always the easiest to point it at the head coach and at the quarterback and call for their jobs. But again, anytime we talk about firings of coaches, what are the options? McVeighs don't just grow on trees. Who are you going to go get? Go get someone that's better than John Fox, and I'll be happy. But there's not many coaches out there that have the track record, coaching record of John Fox. If you can tell that John Fox's heart is still in coaching and trying to win championships, then that should be your head coach to me. I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think what I think it more relies on how Dowell Loggins performs in his job because I do think while John Fox <clears throat> is a 
I, I think he's a good NFL head coach. He's got a proven track record, been to a couple Super Bowls, won, won some divisions with Carolina and Denver and all that. I think the most important thing for this franchise going forward is the development of a young quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. while McVeigh's don't grow on trees, we saw what making that change and getting that guy in there can do for a quarterback in LA with Jared Goff. And he looks like a completely different player. Part of that's maturity and growing up and just being more familiar with the NFL. But no doubt part of it is having that, you know, quarterback centered type head coaching effort, all that. So it, it just, it depends to me on how Dowell Loggins handles the development of Mitch Trubisky, because it's not John Fox handling that right now. He's a defensive-minded head coach. Well, I'm sure he has, you know, his you know his two cents in there. It, it, it's 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 on Dow Loggins and that offensive staff to move along Trubisky. And I think if they do that, they move him along, then we do see you know him back and this staff get another chance because I don't think you're going to fire the head coach and keep the two coordinators. But at the same time, if if they're not, we're not kind of seeing Trubisky stall. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a change, no matter what the record is. Yeah, because frankly, if you're if you're a team that exceeds expectation, it's hard to fire a coach. You know, if a coach got the guys to play above their actual level, if he maximized what he's getting from the guys, then your coach is still doing an effective job. You need to put the pieces in place to allow that coach to take the next step then and become a playoff contender, become a Super Bowl contender. I mean, I, I, I'm totally with you there, but I just, it, in my opinion, it's just the development of the quarterback, especially yeah. for Ryan Pace. You want to have the, you because Ryan have Pace the is the guy right who's making this decision. Yeah. His, his Bears tenure, maybe his NFL you know, tenure as, as a general manager, oh, relies on Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. And, yeah. you know, it, he needs this to work out. And if he doesn't think this is the right staff to do it, whether they go 9-7, and seven, whether they go 8-8, eight and eight, if he doesn't think he has the right guys in there, he's no doubt going to go out and turn go out and try and find those right guys because his job and his career really do rely on it. Yep. You gotta, you gotta have the right pieces around a young kid to uh, mold him properly. I do agree with that, man. Well, let's, uh, what, what do we got? We, we, we going on to the world series now. We're sticking with bears. Uh, yeah, let's now let's, let's talk a little world series. Let's, okay. um, let's do a little, little goodbye to the baseball season. That was, um, Houston that was Astros. a that was a hell of a way to end the baseball season with that World was, Series. I know uh, Game yeah, Seven was a little uh, anticlimactic. Uh, it was, but you, you yeah, kind of, no, it was. We you, deserve better. We you kind of kept better. expecting the Dodgers to come back and you know at least you know th- maybe not take the lead or tie it, but you know, threaten. And they just kind of kept not threatening and coming back. But that I series, like though, every other game was so good, Joe, that it was almost it was. like it was a great. Series. You can't have seven instant classics. Uh, well, then ended it in six for me because I, I like the narrative. So well, they tried, but could game uh, game seven was uh, was kind of a, a bit of a, a deadpan fall flat on its face type finish, and I just felt like I was watching The Sims, and I just kept watching money come out of Hugh Darvish's bank account in the upper right hand corner of the screen. Yeah, that was that, he, that he, entire he lost. series. That entire series cost him some money. Yeah, he lost millions and millions of dollars. There, he might not be the top. I, I think if he would have gone out and had a very good game seven performance. He's probably the top, you know, free agent pitcher on the market now. Now I think it's Arietta. Yeah. yeah. He, he Matt, lost uh, himself some money. Matt, quick question. Is yeah. it um is it safe out by you? No, is I think that, the Russians is that the test? Is that the test? <laughs> no, uh, that is the, the uh, that is the, the, the first test? the first, first Tuesday, Tuesday of November the siren, yeah. Um, first Tuesday of every month. Well, we'll now what if there here. was a but what if there was a tornado on the first Tuesday of the month? Then everyone would be in, in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you know, I'd probably be in a lot of trouble anyways, Joe. I live in a, an apartment building without a basement, so I'd be in a, you know, I'd probably be in some trouble. I, I'm not too worried about it here. But I, I have often thought of that, like what if at that exact time there is a tornado, then what do yeah. you do? 
Yeah. Go outside. You chase it like Helen Hunt. Hey, you know that people make careers out of that. <laughs> um, all right, Matt. Well, that's uh, that's the World Series wrap up. I-, I know it's been a while since we've watched any Cubs or ba- Cubs or Sox baseball, but um, I'm, I'm be, gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Exciting off season. That's for, what I for want. Both ball clubs. That's what I was gonna put you on the spot here. I, I want to ask two questions. Who who is the name the Cubs go out there and get? Do you think off the top of your head? And two, where does Jake Arrieta end up? You know, in terms of free agency in baseball, I feel like it's a lot less cut and dry than than football, where you kind of know where a guy's going to go. But yeah. in terms of teams that need arms, like everyone's always trying to add arms, add top level arms. I don't know, Matt. Like like a. New York always comes to mind because they're willing to pay for it. That's everybody. where I, I think he's going to – I've said it for a while now. I think he's going to be a Yankee just because they seem like they're that one more top they're arm close. away. Yeah, involved. they're close. They need a top arm. I think Jake's, uh, Jake's game fits in New York. While it's not a pitcher's ballpark, it's actually the least pitcher-friendly ballpark yeah. in baseball statistically. Um, you know, ground ball pitcher, go get outs, play for the most historic team in the history of the game. Like, I don't see why not. I think that that makes sense for him. If not there, like NL-wise, do the Nationals need another arm? No, but no. Could, I, could I see them paying money for an arm like they always do? Maybe. Um, Los Angeles. I think Los Angeles makes a splash in, in terms of position players. You know, we talked about, um, we talked about Giancarlo last mm-hmm. week going to L.A., but if they want to make a pitcher splash, I could see him going there. I think that... Um, but I think that, like we said, New York just kind of makes the most sense. Yeah, that that one, it just it seems to be a logical fit, and so I, I think Moose and Runes broke the news here first, guys. Jake <laughs> Arrieta to the Yankees. So when that happens, Jake Arrieta to the Yankees. You're going to see him in pinstripes. It'll be far enough away from Cubs fandom. You only have to see him a couple times a year. Um, it, it won't. Uh, it won't join, hurt, join his buddies, uh, Starlin and Araldis. Yeah, yeah. Starlin and Araldis. It'll be like. Uh, It'll be like when uh, when the Sox sent or when the Hawks sent everyone to Atlanta. Exactly, Thrashers. Yeah, it's just it'll be Cubs East. Yeah, Cubs East. That'll work work out nicely. But um, in terms of in terms of the Cubs making a sign, uh, you know, I know they could go big this off season and go for a top tier free agent. But I think they kind of, I think they just kind of sit back, maybe make a couple mid-level signings and kind of uh, play the economical game and go maybe try and make a, a splash at the break when you realize what you really do need because what is the Cubs' big need right now? I, they need arms. I think they, they need, need arms, arms. In, on the front end and the back end. I, I think so they throw need... $100 million at the arm that's currently wearing your jersey. Wade Davis or Jake? Jake. Jake's going to get 200 Throw two hundred at them. I don't. Man. I, Pay I, the luxury I don't, tax. They're 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 gonna have that. They they've already paying Hayward that much money. That if they throw Jake that type of money, they're gonna have more big names coming up soon in that big contract. I'm just I'm not sure they're going to want to be paying that much money when he is thirty six, thirty seven. And Scott Boris is his agent. He is going to get him every last penny he can. Honestly, I think another reason that they go the economical route and they lay back here this off season is because they are. Saving up everything in the piggy bank for uh, for, for Bryce for, Bri- for Bryson to come here in 2019. They're going to have to find a way to get Hayward out of town. Yeah, I don't somehow. think they can do and that. If to, Hayward's on, if they can get Hayward's off like, the books, poison him. 
they're going to need to, you know, give him some hemlock, something to Jesus. get. Uh, yeah, that got dark. Sorry, I try to keep it Shakespearean. I, I, but. I think the two names you see him go out and at least target, try and get this year are, are Lance Lynn coming out of St. Louis. I think that's kind of their John Lackey Jr. type yeah. signing there. I think he can get him not incredibly cheap, but cheaper than you know your top tier pitching you know, arms, and then. Alex Cobb out of Tampa. He's a guy who's obviously got a rapport with Jim Hickey, who you know, just came over from Tampa to be their new pitching coach. Uh, I believe played for Joe Madden there for a couple of years. He's probably another guy who can get cheap because I'm not sure they need necessarily the top end of the pitching rotation as much as they need just some depth because that thing with, with Arietta gone now and Lester going, he's not getting any better. I, I think you need to get deep in that rotation. Yeah. So uh, bolster some arms there, maybe not uh... – Maybe not the big name arm or the top arms that you're looking at. Cause Wade Davis will be the interesting name, I think, to see whether they open up the wallet and, and, and bring him back. Because I think if they can get him for more money but on a shorter-term deal, I think you'll see him back in, and I know uh, in it, Cubby Blue. It really wasn't the start of the season that you wanted, but he really came into form, and I think he was one of the few congruence, few consistencies. Yeah, he that, really just had that, the one blown save all year, right? Yeah, in that bullpen. Um, so... That would be a good piece to keep there for the Cubbies. Yeah, but uh, in terms of White Sox baseball, plenty to uh, plenty to be excited about for the first time in a long time. I think it'll be a a little bit of a, a slow, boring type off season. But I agree. I think uh-huh. once the season kicks into gear next year, you'll start to again see bigger names slowly start to crawl up. I think Michael Kopech will be up. You know, not right at the start, but probably a month or so in. I think. Eloy Jimenez will eventually force his way up there. I know he's absolutely just killing it in the Dominican League right now, which is, from what I've you know heard read about, is basically the equivalent of you know triple A, double A pitching. So it's not like he's facing watered down competition there. But those, I think those are the two names that you're going to really look for. You know, probably Kopech early on, Eloy about halfway to the year June, July, and I think those will be a lot of fun to watch once they do come up. I agree with you, Matter, but. Uh... It's it's going to be a little while until we get to watch some baseball again. So uh, get your get your tickets to surprise. Arizona I don't know. Ready. Spring training's right around the corner, Joe. Yeah, only pitchers and catchers in what about six seven days? Something yeah, like that. something like that. That's usually how that works. They're they're always <laughs> right back to work. All right, Matt. Well, hit the music because I got a grievance. All right, go. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now. You're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt, my grievance this week is with uh, the NFL. Um, a bunch of faceless names that, that are never held accountable that need to be held accountable. Um, that front office has found a way... The people around Roger Goodell have found a way to make a mess of everything. I know this is minute, and I've mentioned it earlier in the podcast today, but um, the inconsistency with which they levy penalties. Now, Mike Evans deserved to be kicked out of that game yesterday. He deserved an ejection. He also deserved to be suspended. I agree with the way that that was handled after the fact. A.J. Green took even more egregious action than Mike Evans, and he's not being suspended. He probably will be fine because he threw punches. But he was choking a defensive back, trying to choke him out on the field, was not levied an ejection or a suspension. And I'm just not understanding where these conversations are being had, 
who is making these decisions and on what merit, on what scale are they grading these things? Because that scale grades from on-field penalties and wearing the wrong shoes all the way to having to deal with domestic violence issues and players that are stepping out and breaking laws, federal laws, doing things that are wrong. So I understand that their purview is very wide, but you got to start getting it right. You got to start laying these things down on a on a scale of worst to best, not best, but least yes. worst and figuring out where these things lie and assigning actual punishments to them because it doesn't seem like there's any congruent congruent there's no consistency consistency. yeah there's no consistency in the way that they're levying these penalties for things large and small so i I just think that the nfl needs to figure it out because they are not only the biggest provider of entertainment in the united states they're one of the biggest businesses in the united states and they continue to get it wrong no i agree it's just it's it's every incident that there's there is no consistency with what's been handed down in the past it's like they're starting over every time something new happens which i don't think is really fair to anybody involved yeah so uh i think that uh some changes need to be made there but as long as the uh the product on the field keeps us entertained i know it'll keep us um it'll keep us distracted from what's going on as well so it's uh it's it's a paradox there matthew um you want to jump into a little buy or sell we can definitely jump into some buyer sell. You want me to start or you want to go? Uh, you can start us off. All right. We, uh, we touched on this a little bit here, but buyer sell, Joe, the Big Ten is getting left out of the college football playoff. I'm buying it. Just the way things are currently lined up and the only they have one route there now, and that's like you said, the Wisconsin Badgers winning out, beating Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. And even in that case, they might get left out if – something happens to where you've got Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and then either Miami or Notre Dame, whoever wins this game. Obviously, the winner of this Miami-Notre Dame game will will determine a lot of that, but that winner could then go on to drop a game on the way out. Notre Dame yeah. could drop one to Stanford. Miami could drop one late in the season. But it just looks like right now that when you're looking at the possible outcomes and the possible routes to the Final Four – Wisconsin's chances are slim, and they're the Big Ten's only chance. They are definitely the Big Ten's only chance, and I, I, I do I, I agree with you. I think I think they're going to slip up in that Big Ten championship game. I know I had them from the beginning of the year, and if if uh, if they do make that playoff, I'll absolutely toot my own horn horn a little bit. But I just I I, I think Ohio State's still better than what they were against Iowa, and I, I think they're a better team than Wisconsin. Uh, and I think they'll come out ready to prove that, try to show that in the Big Ten Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think that this might be a year that we might finally see that first two-loss team get in there because I know we talked, I talked about at least a little bit, you touched on it as well, but if Auburn runs the table and, and finishes the year with wins against Bama and Georgia and then another SEC Championship win, I think it would be against Georgia, I don't think you can keep them out. Yeah. So I think you might see you might see a bunch of different – you know, first in that college football play. If you see the Big Ten left out for the first time, you'll see the Pac-12 probably left out for the first time. You could see a two-loss team. You could also see two teams from the same conference get in for the first time. So this is probably the most, uh, obviously so many things can change in these last three weeks, but this seems like kind of the most chaotic finish that we might be uh, might have seen so far. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of moving parts in it right now. And then you start begging the question of, you know, if Auburn does pull that off, 
how do you value the hottest team versus the best team mm-hmm. versus uh, head-to-head record? There's so many different data points that these that the committee has to take into account. And where are you placing the most value on those data points? So I just uh, you, you brought it up there. You talk about placing value amongst you know who is the hottest team, best team, head-to-head, and I just. I know it's not totally seen this way, but it seems like a lot of the time, like people want to devalue the head-to-head, uh-huh. uh, the head-to-head matchup to get a team like an Ohio State or an Alabama, or so give them the benefit of the doubt, even though they might have lost the head-to-head. Like I know the committee didn't necessarily, but you had analysts and stuff last week saying, "Well, you know, Oklahoma beat Ohio State, but that was at the beginning of the year, and I think Ohio State's better, so we should put them in." And, I, yeah. and that's that's the one thing that to me seems like it gets lost a little bit too much here. Yeah. Um, but it should be fun to, to watch it all shake down. It's going to be, going to be a lot, a lot going on in these final five weeks of college football. And Matt, as we say every week now, savor them, savor them, hold them close. Joe, it seems like just yesterday that we did the football preview. It seems like just yesterday we did that preview. Uh, this is going to be, and you know, you got to start thinking of it. This will be our first downturn off of a football season. Can't let the pod fold. No, can't we can't let the pod We'll play. have a lot more hockey minutes. Ho- hockey heavy. Hockey heavy. PGA's tour season right around the corner. We'll make it work, but we can't we can't fold under the pressure here, man. No, we 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 will not we'll I we will survive. We will thrive. We'll you, survive. We'll still probably you, talk a lot of football. I need uh, you to start thinking about life after football and how we will we go have to on. talk about like basketball and stuff? I hope not. Uh, College basketball is fun. Well, it's the Cavs and the Warriors, game three tonight. Hey, the Cavs kind of stink right now. I know it happens every year, but they kind of stink. Listen to what you just said. They stink right now. You know what? They don't care right now. now. Can we not get into basketball today? Sure, we don't have to get into basketball. It's just easy. All right, Matt. Buy or sell the LA Rams. Pretty pretty broad there, but uh, another win this weekend and – they, they look like one of the hottest teams in the NFL. I'm going to buy them winning that division. Um, they got Houston this week, who I think they'll beat. They got then Minnesota and New Orleans, which I think they'll probably take one of two there. I think they'll beat the Cardinals. Eagles will be a toss-up. The Seahawks are a toss-up. Titans, 49ers. So they don't necessarily have world beaters the, the rest of their schedule. Uh, th- that offense is firing on all cylinders. Their defense is hasn't been what it's been in the past, as dominant as, as, as it was in the Jeff Fisher uh era days whatever you want to call it but they do have a defensive coordinator in wade phillips who's often considered one of the best if not the best in the game so i think they have the experience on that side i, I think they're going to win this division and, and possibly earn that first round by one of the first round buys yeah it um it looks like that they're another team that's turned it around in dramatic fashion and just gotten things right after i don't know what they're they've been feeding golf but all the bears need like, to do is just hire a 31 year old hotshot offensive coordinator I guess that's I guess that's what who what looks kind of like out. PJ Fleck. The current remedy is he does. I've never thought about they, that. They kind of look alike there. Yeah. You might want to look into that. Do a little investigative reporting there, man. That seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> All right, hit me. All right, Joe. I'm gonna go a little more fun here. Uh, Halloween's over, so some mm-hmm. pe- some people are getting into Christmas music. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna ask you buy or sell Christmas music before Thanksgiving, or not just music, but like the. Just celebrating Christmas. Christmas cheer. Yes. Christmas cheer. Now, you could start to work it in a little bit, maybe the week before Thanksgiving. That's when I start getting a little lenient on it. But right now, let's be excited about Thanksgiving. Let's be excited about turkey and stuffing and 
tryptophan and cheesy potatoes and everything and booze, lots of booze with your family, you know, like all those things that make Thanksgiving great. Let's not overlook those. I love Christmas as much as the next guy, but a month of Christmas is plenty for me. Agree. You got, and a, month I think of, you got a month of Christmas. Thanksgiving is one of the most overlooked and you know just oversighted holidays on the calendar, and I think it's I, I think it's crime. If you're if you're jumping from Halloween to Christmas, we got problems because take, I'm take very, a break. I'm very I'm very see I jump Fourth of July to Thanksgiving. That's how my mind works. I'm Fourth of July straight to Thanksgiving. I'm already looking forward to it. I, I, I have a feeling here after what we talked about in the Halloween candy debate and then the, the cereal debate that we're going to have some heated mailbag related favorite Oof. Thanksgiving you know, meal, dish, whatever don't, debates. We, don't might, start with we might need to take a break after that podcast. Speaking of investigative up, journalism. <laughs> oh, That'll be a fun good. one. That's going to be good. All right. Well, yeah, no, I'm selling on, uh, I'm selling on the early Christmas celebrations. I understand decorations being in the stores and stuff because you got to buy them before you put them up and this, that, and the other, and like you know, stressed out moms. Yeah, that that makes a little but, more sense. But let's let's but wait till Thanksgiving ends yeah, to put everything up. Turn, don't light turn, the trees on Main Street. Don't play the ninety three nine on the radio. You know, yeah. with all the all Christmas music. Let's let's pump the brakes. Get out of here with that. All right, Matt. Uh, last one here. Buy or sell by week. We'd have we've had to gone. Uh, we've had to go a week now without Bears football, and it's, it hurt my soul a little bit because they've been uh, they've re they've recaptured my my uh, my emotions this season for some reason or another. But uh, buy or sell bye week. Well, I, do you I, need it? Do you I, need a bye week? I said this in the text, and I'm glad you called it a bye week, not an off week, because it's, it's not, not an, an off week. week. It's a, a bye week. It's uh, still still got to get some work in. Um, <laughs> I. I I mean, for the in, in terms of the team getting one, obviously they, they need it. You have to buy it from that standpoint. From a fan standpoint, no, I'm going to sell it. It makes Sunday boring. Like Not boring. I guess nice. I'll tune in and watch the games. But I want to I wanna watch my team play. Yeah. I, 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 it, it, you feel a little bit empty there on Sunday. It, it's Saturday, too, if your team's not playing. It just it doesn't feel right not having a Bears game to get ready for, especially now with them being pretty good again. Or at least you know competitive again. I, I I'm with you. I, I hate it. I want my team to play. They should play every week because it makes me happy. I think that bye week should always fall after a Monday night game. Only teams that play Monday night games get bye weeks or something ridiculous like that. I know that doesn't work. I know. That well, then you'd have to all. have the Browns on Monday night football. Joe, is that <laughs> really what you want? That would work. I guess. Is that not. really what you want? I don't think so. I guess not. Um, but yeah, the buy. We need. Let's bring that one to the table for the NFL. Uh, is the buy really necessary? Well, you know? s- s- yeah, the inconsistent suspensions and abolishment of the bye week. We'll, yes. we'll, 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 we'll schedule a sit down with Roger. Both hot buttons. Both hot buttons. Um, Matt, I'm, I'm on Twitter here right now. It's open in front of me. Some breaking oh. news about an hour ago. Juju Smith-Schuster just got his driver's license. So um, I quote you. He says, "Your boy finally did it. Just got my license." Hashtag. It's lit! Exclamation point, and it's a picture of him and what appears to be the three people that he took his driving test with. They're all giving thumbs up with a terrible towel. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm sure it is. So, major congratulations to Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, Only took you like eight extra years, <laughs> right? All right, uh, Matt. Uh, we got a mailbag. I, that actually me? might turn into a, a great celebration though this weekend because he, him, and Le'Veon Bell have been the king of the celebration. Yeah. Car-related celebration. Yeah, car-related. So let's maybe nice. maybe like uh, Le'Veon Bell will be the seat and he'll sit on there with the steering wheel. I don't know. I like I like where your head's at. Yeah, I just you know I scored a lot of touchdowns in the day, so I get to you know, be, I think <laughs> of what I'm going to do. Nice. Um, all right, Matt. Well, I know uh, we have 
uh, a mailbag question from a little ways back. It was a good one, but uh, one we definitely wanted to get to. You have the better, you have the, I think, the more passionate answer, I think, from this, from what you were telling me. But uh, this one comes from at Tim Rooney 21, no relation, of course. Um, <laughs> which is the better 5 a.m., the one you wake up for or the one you stay up for? Now, I'm going to say the one you wake up for. Because the one you stay up for, nothing good is happening at 5 a.m. unless you're like, you're back, you're back safe. You're not out anymore. You're just like, you're still, you're recapping the night. Maybe that's a fun 5 a.m. you stay up for some some drunk food, you know. A, oh, Joe, a it's a family podcast. A, a Jack's pizza you forgot was in the oven, so it's like way too burnt, but you still eat it. Something like that. But the but the 5 a.m. you get up for, you're always getting up for a reason. And, and it could be a good reason. So you're getting up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight somewhere. That's usually the 5 a.m. you get up for. You're getting up at 5 a.m. to jump in the car because you're road tripping somewhere for a noon kick. You know, there, There's a lot of 5 a.m.s that you could wake up for and it'd be a good thing where, where there's that excitement. Yeah, I, just, I, I think I'm with you, though I don't really like 5 a.m. in general. Um, but yeah, the one for me, the one 5 a.m. that I think is, you know, good, worth it, whatever you want to call the best one is the one you kind of touched on there, waking up and, uh, and, and getting somewhere for, uh, for an early noon or 11 a.m., whatever kickoff and, uh, and having some fun, you know, eating, you know, grilling some, some burgers, drinking some beer before, uh, before a tailgate mm-hmm. football game. Before I think that, sunrise. It, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes, Joe. When was the last sunrise you saw, Matt? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just letting it get a little, little emotional here. Uh, prob- uh, probably, <laughs> you know, we we had a my, my the family goes to Florida every year there for uh, for Christmas, and uh-huh. you know we always get. Uh, it, my, my dad likes the early tea times. Um, nice, and they, it can be, but it also cannot be. Uh, <laughs> we we used to we we've since started going a little bit later, but a lot of the time there we all were always you know, he, he was getting the first tea time off, so seven a.m. Eastern time, six a.m. Central, a little bit early, but you know, we're getting up. That that's probably one of the last ones I've seen was waking up there before leaving the condo there in, in Florida, seeing the sun start to come up over the uh, the Gulf of Mexico. There, that that's the last sunrise I think I've seen. See, that's a nice that's a nice five a.m. It was yeah, I was exhausted, Joe. <laughs> That'll do that to you, Matt. Um, well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, this bi week edition not of an off the week. Moose and Ruins podcast. Not an off week, never an off week for us. We don't get a bi week, so neither do you guys as the listeners. Um, it's always a pleasure bringing you some uh, some fun conversations, a little bit of content. Uh, college football heavy today. Plenty of football to be watched this next week. Some great games. That Notre Dame uh, Miami game going to be a good one. Bears back in action. Rivalry matchup. So. Uh, it's going to be an emotional weekend for, for Chicago sports fans, nonetheless. Hopefully uh, some celebrations are in order. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Moose and Roots podcast. Matt Rooney, why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right. I am, uh, I'm going to shut us down here. I didn't do a hockey minute on purpose here today because I just wanted to touch on a, a small hockey topic here that I think uh, – gets touched on every once in a while but it's also something that uh, I think league-wide gets looked over and that is just how good of a goalie Corey Crawford is um, he is uh, he obviously won two Stanley Cups now but for the last couple of years the Blackhawks possession numbers have been declining and Corey's been seeing more and more shots and I think he's just been getting better 
uh, and this year is is no exception. In, in 13 start, 13 games, excuse me, I think it's 12 starts. He's got a league best 9.45 save percentage, a league best 1.77 goals against average. He's got two shutouts. He is uh, he, he's seeing again a lot more shots a game than he has when those teams were kind of winning cups in, in his or the team's heyday. And I think it's just it, it's time that. There, there are still some doubters in Corey Crawford here in Chicago. Somehow, I, I don't really know, but but some people say he's the problem. That contract's a problem. Whatever, it's it can be farther from the truth. And I think it's time that he starts getting the recognition not only that he deserves locally here in Chicago, but uh, I think league wide. I think he is. I think he's right up there with your Carey Prices of the world, with your with your Braden Holpies, and he's done something that you know those two are often seen as the two best in the business, and, and he's done something twice that neither of those guys have done once, and that's uh, that's win Stanley Cup. So I, I just I think it's time that uh, with with the Hawks being where they are and starting to be a little bit younger, rely on that goalie a little bit more. I think Corey Crawford needs to start getting the credit uh, and probably win that if he if he keeps up this pace, win that first Vezina Trophy award for the best goalie in the in the NHL that he deserves. Obviously, it's it's a little bit early here, only 13 games into it, but just uh, want want to bring him back on the radar here, Joe, with a little bit of another hockey minute. We are uh, we are a pro Crawford podcast here, no doubt. Um, thank you to the Moose and Roots podcast for listening. Uh, hopefully, you guys are all gonna gonna punch your ticket for Corey Crawford as well, Matt. Uh, keep uh, keep fighting the good fight for for those uh, for those Hawks players and, and for the for the hockey cause. Uh, we appreciate. Someone's got to do it, Joe. Someone Might as well does be it, me, and you do a phenomenal job of it, oh, my friend. That's nice. We of thank you. you. We thank you as always, and thank you, Moose and Runes listeners, for tuning in to this episode number twenty-seven, I believe, of the Moose and Runes podcast. Something we like hope that. you enjoyed. Send us all of your questions your topics, whatever you want to hear us talk about here on Moose and Runes. That's at Moose and Runes on Twitter. Follow us, like our posts, retweet, post, tap, click, swipe, whatever you got to do. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. Hopefully you have a good week. That's going to do it for episode 27 of the Moose and Runes podcast. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. For every care, a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.